0: human beings i'm macy and i'm olivia and And you're you're listening to being podcast where we explore humanity encourage connections and aspire to discover the truth of stepping into our being we're back welcome
1: back friends (laughs) we're really excited about today's topic and just forewarning you this episode is going to be very personal to both of us. It is. We're getting real vulnerable
0: with y'all. We really are. Real also, vulnerable. welcome back to Being Podcast. Yes, I'm welcome Olivia. Welcome to Being Podcast. I am Macy. And we're here to discuss the power of your pain the today. power of your pain and just how that is part of being human. Like, the number one thing that
1: nobody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about it always, but it's also just like a big part of being a person. And a human being in general is... The pain that we go through and experience on many, many levels. So today, we're going to explore that and share with you
0: how that has been present in our life. Personal pain. Seriously, how it's shaped us, um, tools that we've found over the years that have assisted us and supported us, people that have helped us, um, Mm -hmm. and hopefully we can extend all of that information and resources to you as well, um, and support to you as well. You are always welcome to email us at mobeingpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at being underscore podcast. If you want any support or want to share anything with us on social media, you're always more than welcome. Um, Yeah, just we're here for you and we're here to have this conversation. So, um, I'm ready to just like tap right into that. Yeah, we're going to dive in are. today.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to just go for it. We're going to do a thing. Oh yeah.
0: I'm diving into a bucket of my own tears is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. A the crying has been already tears. done <laughs> for the most oh, part. My gosh.
1: Well, ultimately our, our goal here is that we're just trying to help everyone see that you know, we're all connected in this way and we always desire for you to leave being more encouraged and more empowered. And feeling more, more supported. Yeah, feeling more supported and in some way identifying with yourself and just stepping more into your own personal truth, helping you tap in and just like really taking ownership of this beautiful life that you get and just your own being. So, For
0: sure. And go. also, just to say really fast because we are going to be talking about um, personal trauma um, in different forms. And so just, you know, take this episode with a grain of salt if you've been through – Personal traumas with family, with romantic relationships. Um, those are kind of the two main things we're going to be focusing on today. So just take that with a light heart if you're still healing in some ways. And just remember, Macy and I are not therapists or doctors. Um, so if you're having any kind of psychological or physical trauma that needs immediate attention, um, please talk to a doctor or a psychiatrist or a therapist. Um, but we are always here for you, regardless. Yes, so just absolutely. always seek help first and foremost. But come here for support and encouragement and love and all the other things. So let's just let's do it let's do it all right you guys it is time for if you know better you You do Do better Better, the segment where we talk about the resources and tools that have helped us thus far with finding the power in our pain and leaning into it and getting comfortable with it and just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable these are all the things that we have found that work for us so i'm going first correct yes go girl all righty well, my recs this week are very personal to me. They're both podcasts, I think. Actually, huh? my notes aren't up yet. Hold on. <laughs> um, one is a podcast and one is an Instagram page. Both are incredible. Um, so my first recommendation was recommended to me by my therapist. I feel like every week my recs are from my therapist and everyone's like, how often do you see your freaking therapist? (laughs) Um, But that's just what works for me. My therapist knows that I'm a really active learner and she knows that I love being a student. I love just like soaking up all the information. And so she does. She gives me so many resources through podcasts, research articles, interviews that she's watched, TED talks. Like she gives me so much great information because she knows I'll go home and consume it and utilize it. So that's just how kind of our relationship works. So just if I say, Oh my god, my therapist showed me this, please don't think I'm talking to her like every single day. And even if I was, it's not a bad thing. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) just had to say that real fast. Um, So she showed this to me because I um, was in a romantic relationship up until about a year ago that was just unhealthy, and it wasn't serving me or the other person really anymore. And so we broke it off. Um, and there was dynamics about that relationship. And plus just from early childhood trauma within my family as well. Um, the dynamic of passive aggressive manipulation through, you know, like someone's insecurity and projecting that onto you through manipulation, as well as gaslighting. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Um, but those two things were very prevalent in my life, literally up until I stopped this relationship and others in my life with family members about a year and a half ago. Um, And so when I was starting this journey, and was telling my therapist about certain dynamics of the relationships with both family and this person, um, she was telling me these things about gaslighting and about manipulation. And she was saying, you know, these words, and I was like, what does that mean? I mean, I know what manipulation is and what it looks like. But When you're in it, and especially when it's somebody that you love a lot doing it to you, it's hard to decipher what's manipulative and what's not. And so there would be certain things that I would be telling her and she would, she just looked at me and she told me, you know, I'm gonna have you listen to this podcast called Something Was Wrong. And season one specifically is about um, toxic gaslighting and manipulation and romantic relationships. And I've brought up Something Was Wrong more than once on this podcast Um, All four seasons are absolutely incredible. Tiffany Reese in general, she seems like an amazing woman. I've never met her, but everything she does, all the content that she creates is incredible and so educational um, and very supportive and positive. And so Something Was Wrong, season one specifically, um, it's about a woman out of Sacramento that was in a relationship that was very unhealthy and just her side of what she went through, what she learned and how she identified gaslighting and manipulative behaviors um, through different books that she had read through her friendship with Tiffany and their other friend Alyssa, she emphasized how the support from her friends were so important during this time that they broke up. Um, so I just wanted to recommend this to anybody that if you're in a relationship where um, just things aren't feeling right or you're not there's just this gut feeling of something something seems wrong here like something it sounds so funny saying like something was wrong is the title, but Really, that's that feeling of like, okay, something's wrong and I don't know where to go from here. Um, that podcast was so informative. And I know, did you, you listen to season one too, right? Mm-hmm. What, do you have any thoughts on it? Or Oh, it's very, very empowering and it's
1: very insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in what you would consider an unhealthy relationship or in any way you're like, I am being actually drained by this relationship, I would, yeah, I would give it a listen at I do think it's a a pretty big extreme, like...
0: Well, she dealt with a lot, the woman, um, Sarah, that was in the story, or her story that was about... It is a very extreme situation compared to, like, what I say I would have dealt with um, personally, but there were aspects about my relationship that were extremely similar. Absolutely. Um, And there's just gaslighting and manipulation because of just different ways of behavior. They look so different. and gaslighting is really like a newer term that we're realizing. Um, and it's a newer form of manipulation that psychology is finding. And it looks it's just such a vast broad term. And so something was wrong just does an amazing job highlighting what all of that really looks like, um, how to deal with it, safely get out of it, find support within it. you know learn from it, be grateful for your experiences and where you how you've learned everything. Um, It's just a really well done podcast. Tiffany Reese is incredible. Sarah is incredible. They both sound like wonderful women. I would love to meet them because we're like all local and I just fangirl over them. They did an incredible job. Um, So Something Was Wrong. There's four seasons. Every single one of them is fantastic. The first three seasons though focus solely on toxic relationships, um, toxic, toxic manipulation and gaslighting. And that's the first three seasons. And then the fourth season right now is actually about a cult, which is... Oh my God, it's so good, but in a different way. So if you're looking for relationship help specifically, go for seasons one through three. So Mm -hmm. that's rec number one, Something Was Wrong by Tiffany Reese, and it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on pretty much any podcast platform. Um, And then my second rec is an Instagram page, and it's actually a therapist's Instagram page. Her name is Lisa Oliveira. And she's out of the Bay Area. And I actually just found her on Instagram. I believe, honestly, I can't remember how I found her. Somebody may have like reposted a story of like one of her posts or something. Um, But I honestly feel like this is going to sound lame. So it's just like an Instagram page. But it came into my life at the right time. I was going through this breakup and going through other family dynamics, you know, a year and a half ago now. Um, And I stumbled across her Instagram. And she is just full of, one, affirmations. Like she is just so affirming. Um, so supportive, even as somebody I don't even know, I feel so supported by her just in her words and the things she puts on Instagram. She does a lot of like text posts where she will, um, just type things up of either what she's thinking or things that she wants to encourage people with or things that she practices in her therapist practice and she'll put it on Instagram. Um, so like for example, one post of hers that I love literally that goes with the last episode and today's is grief and gratitude are often clenched in the same fist. I love this account. Yeah. And her account is just incredible. And then she also has, you know, a gentle reminder, imperfection is literally the only option. But then she also has um, posts that are longer, and you can kind of scroll through the photos. And she has just all sorts I of... I just read one by her recently.
1: It was about trauma bonding. And oh mm-hmm. my god, that like, made my mind just go, ha. Ah. We're gonna have it, to have a whole episode on trauma bonds. It was crazy, because it was like, it's funny how you can identify, like, I know that this is what's going on with my brain, or this is something that's happening, or... This keeps reappearing in my life. What is that? But then when someone's able to put it to words and articulate it, and I was just, like, reading through this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was, like, me when I was, like, 19, or, you know what I mean? Yes. Or whatever.
0: It's just funny to see how you come full circle. And anyways, yeah, this account is fantastic. Yeah, she's absolutely amazing. And she does a lot of lives, too, where she will um, read out loud either things that she's written or um, books that she's reading. Like, she's just so chock full of information And so positive and she's just honestly I'm all about making sure you are looking at your social media through a certain lens because like what you have on social media reflects so much of your life because it's such a huge part of our lives like even just scrolling through Instagram the stuff that you're looking at affects you and I talk to people about this all the time especially with like body image. Um, who you follow on Instagram could reflect how you feel about your brain and your body and the people around you. Like, it could either make you feel great or feel like shit, to be honest. Absolutely. And so, I tell literally every single person I know. I put her on my stories almost every day. Like, she just has great content. So, I put her on my stories all the time if you follow me on Instagram. Um, we put her on being podcast stories sometimes, too. She is just... Oh my god, she's so amazing. Can I I have a mantra for that?
1: Just yes. based off what you said, garbage in, garbage out. Like yeah. if you're consuming garbage for your mind and for your your psyche, then you're literally going to be putting garbage back out into exactly. the world. And so it's like you you really do have to be that intentional and mindful of like what you're feeding your brain, what you're feeding your eyes, what you're feeding your thoughts, what's fueling you, what's encouraging you, what's investing back into you. But also you have power over that. So the yeah. way you what you choose to see and focus on like I Thank you for saying that. Oh, yeah, totally. It's important.
0: Well, and it's so easy to to, um, get sucked up and just follow whatever because, like, things that go viral are mainly entertainment-based. Like, wellness is not – I mean, it's huge on Instagram now because it's become a really big platform. But for a long time, like, the only things – videos and photos that would go viral were, like, things of shock value or entertainment value. And so that's what people were, like, basing your social media around. And now it's kind of a newer idea of, like, how can I use my social media to – positively affect me or how can I use it to support me not like oh let's go see what funny of vid- funny videos on here today like social media I use for as a form of support all the time just to like yeah be affirmed or go on there and see the people I loved having a great day that day and just yeah. you know seeing the people I love and living their life on their stories and stuff like I really had to be intentional about that too in 2019 was just completely flushing my social media and kind of starting over with what I want to see on my feed every day and Lisa Oliveira is a huge huge part of that so her name is at lisa Oliveira therapy on instagram i'll put it in the episode notes as well like i do with everything but yeah just wanted to shout her out and if you know better you do better you gotta follow her you guys just i don't care who you are you don't you just gotta do it <laughs> she's so good
1: Love it. so those are my recs love those recs for this week i have two recs this week nice you know better do better <laughs> so first recommendation is christine hassler She is a master coach, keynote speaker. She's also the author of Expectation Hangover. Um, And honestly, she's just a mentor in my life. Like, I don't know this woman personally, but um, in the last two and a half years of my life, she's definitely been a voice and a presence that has encouraged me in seasons of struggle and strife. She's very, um, very articulate with the way she helps you kind of process what's going on internally. And also she's a huge advocate for just wellness overall and amazing relationships with people, like relationship with yourself first and foremost, and then relationship with others. And I just, I don't know, I'm really always encouraged and inspired by her. And she has lots of, um, she has a podcast, and she also has lots of sessions where you can kind of listen into her counseling another person and it's so cool because i personally love that because it's like i'm able to learn so much from other people's experiences and kind of in some way obviously their experiences aren't mine but it's like i can still learn from their experience and kind of tap into how that might relate to me yeah you know because like as a human being it's like oh we all are kind of interconnected and in some ways this applies to me or whatever so um i would i really recommend her just give her a look and you will be thankful I think. Awesome. and then my I've other, honestly never heard of her, so I'm going to look her up. Oh, she's fantastic. And then the other account that I actually want to recommend, I know this woman personally. She is definitely one of the mentors of my life. She's an incredible human being. Oh, my God, I know who it is. And her name is Jessie, but she has an account called Genu Wellness. Oh, my and God, it's so good, you guys. I'm, t- I'm talking from parenting to recommendations about food to personal experiences to value in family to self development. She always has incredible book recommendations. Like literally anything that this woman puts out I'm just like, yep, I'm 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 interested. Like I want to know because she's Same. just so amazing in adding value to her own life and she's so responsible about who she chooses to be. She's um a therapist and I don't know, just follow her account. Like
0: it's the it biggest is. example of talking the talk and walking the walk. Ever. Absolutely. Like, she Absolutely. Will, she did the whole 30-day 30, 30 challenge. Which it's, like, a food challenge. I'm honestly not super familiar with it. She did a whole entire um, blog post on it. She's a blog as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the fact that yeah. she's willing to, like, put herself in that situation for 30 days, do something that's so much better for her body, but also willing to share that experience in such a genuine way because she was very – I read her blog post. She was super honest about it. It was, like – it was not easy in the beginning. I see the benefits as to why I did it. Just anyway, the post was so good. And mm-hmm. she's just so willing to be vulnerable in, like, such a in, like a such a space where no one's willing to be, social media. Like, she just highlights all her realness, and I love it.
1: Yeah, she's an amazing communicator, an incredible writer, and she's funny as hell. Like, she's she has so a great personality. She's very witty. She's got a great sense of humor. And she's just very real, and I just so appreciate this about her. Um, and she, the way she conveys living, ultimately, it's it's very encouraging. And so, I just think if you're looking for, if nothing else, if you're just looking for some positivity in your feed, give genu wellness a look. It's G E N U, and then wellness. And yeah, I even even if like you're a a parent, you know, she has such amazing parent recs all the time. Um, she's a mother and an amazing one at that and so yeah I just I really admire this this woman and I'm very
0: thankful for her existence and the fact that she's been a part of my life so anyways I don't even plan to have I'm like I'm 22 I don't plan to have kids for many years but just even from following her she has fostered like such an idea of who I want to be as a parent or just even how I want to treat myself now to who I will become as a parent to my kids and like I don't know her personally at all but she definitely I would consider her almost like a mother figure in my life just from like or, I mean, not in a creepy way. Sorry, that sounds creepy. But just just <laughs> the way like, that she goes about... She's a mentor to you in the she way is. that yes. she parents. Yes, like, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I'm not creepy, I swear. No. But it's just, she's <laughs> no, so good. Just
1: the, the lens by which she sees the world is very beautiful. And she captures that very well. Even just on her Instagram feed. It's like, wow. Like, if you just scroll through, you're just going to feel so happy. Like, the energy that comes from her space... And from her way of being and seeing things is very, very beautiful, and it is full of love, and it is just full of compassion for humanity. And so, yes, fill your fill your life up with people like Jesse or Christine Hassler or you know, amazing podcasts, all the things. Like, really be intentional with what you're seeking out and who you're letting you know um, nurture your thoughts and your in your being.
0: Yeah, when you're especially when you're already dealing with pain, like where this whole episode is about pain mm-hmm. and when you're not being intentional about where you're getting support, it's just kind of, you're letting it hit you from wherever, like it's that much harder to absorb. And like, it's that much harder to feel supported when you're not getting the support that you need. So part of that support, it comes from social media. It does. And like, people want to argue that it doesn't matter, but it really does matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be an entire support system for you if you let it be. So just go through like, Oh my God, I follow freaking like 1,200 people and I went through and unfollowed just anything that like either doesn't serve me anymore, doesn't resonate with me anymore, or hurts me or triggers me in some way. And now it's just all positive everything. Like your social media should be the last thing causing you any stress. So yeah, absolutely. There's enough pain in life. Like give yourself a place, a happy place on social media. So agreed. All right. Well, if you know better, you do better people. Boom. It's neuro and psych time. This segment is where I, Olivia, um, highlight our topic in the ways of how they affect your brain and body. Um, That is very important to me personally. And I just know that when I understand what's going on inside of me, it makes what I'm doing that much better and more meaningful. Um, So we really wanted to highlight that on this podcast. Macy and I both are very passionate about that. And honestly, we believe it's just essential to your growth, like understanding your why. And it helps you reconnect to your why when you're connecting to your brain and body. So here we are, here we are. at Neuro and Psych. All right. <laughs> so uh, since it's episode five, we've been doing this for like a handful of times now. I <laughs> thought of something new that's like the nerdiest thing you've ever heard of in your life, but I'm really excited about it. And it's going to be the brain part of the week. Yes. Because the brain is so amazing, complex and incredible. And there's so many things that nobody knows about the brain even, not even the most well-versed. And so I just thought, you know what, why not spread a little education and fun into our lives and show us a brain part every week. So that's what I'm doing. And the brain part will consist to each week's topic. So this week, since we're talking about pain and trauma, um, both physically and emotionally, I wanted to highlight the aqueductal gray, which I had never heard of until my research for this week's episode. Um, I mean, I'm a neuropsych student and intern and work in neuropsychology all the time. And I have been for two years now. Um, But so I know I have a very basic understanding of the brain, but I'm not in any way saying I'm an expert. I'm a freaking undergrad. I only know so much. So it was just really exciting for me to learn about a new part of the brain that I had never worked with or heard of. And the para-aqueductal gray integrates aversive emotional experiences and represents an important site responding to life-threatening situations such as hypoxia, cardiac pain, or predator threats. Um, and so I just thought that part was very interesting. Um, I actually read an article that talked about the paraqueductal gray in re- response to um, emotional trauma. And so I just wanted to highlight that part of the brain this week because oh, I thought yeah. it was cool. And it has a really cool name. Like paraaqueductal is a cool word. Learning is power. Right? Just learn something new every day. So there's my brain part for you guys. Um, And then for my Neuro and Psych segment, I am going to be highlighting two different articles. Both will be linked in the episode notes. Um, To be honest, off the top of my head, I cannot remember where I found both of these, but I have the links. It's all going to be referenced, um, so you will find all your information there. But the first article that I wanted to highlight is actually an article about PTSD, um, and it was they had done a few studies on the lasting effects of PTSD and just emotional trauma as a whole in relation to how it becomes PTSD. Um, but the way that they wrote the article in the beginning, it highlighted just brain areas that work with emotional trauma as well as regular brain function, just function and development throughout the lifespan. And so I wanted to highlight this just kind of as a precursor. Um, it's a little lengthy, so just hold on guys. And I know I talk <laughs> fast. So I'm going to try and talk slowly because I need to be aware of that. So um, it says here, brain areas implicated in the stress response include the amygdala, hippocampus, and prefrontal cortex. Um, The amygdala and the hippocampus are in the temporal lobe, in case either of you needed like an idea of where that is. Um, The amygdala works with like fight, flight, and fear response. Um, And it says here, traumatic stress can be associated with lasting changes in these brain areas. Traumatic stress is associated with increased cortisol and norepinephrine responses to subsequent stressors. Antidepressants have effects on the hippocampus that counteract the effects of stress. Findings from animal studies have been extended to patients with post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, showing smaller hippocampal and anterior cingulate volumes, increased amygdala function, which is the increased fight, flight, or freeze response, and decreased medial prefrontal anterior cingulate function. In addition, patients with PTSD show increased cortisol and norepinephrine responses to stress. Treatments that are efficacious for PTSD show a promotion of neurogenesis in animal studies, as well as promotion of memory and increased hippocampal volume in PTSD. So this is the part I really wanted to highlight. Traumatic stressors such as early trauma can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder, which affects about 8% of Americans at some time in their lives. Um, people are most familiar with PTSD in relation to veterans after Mm -hmm. coming back from war. It's really, really hard for them to adapt back into civilian life after living such an extreme lifestyle for very long. So that's what PTSD is mainly associated with at this time. Um, that's mainly what we've been studying it for thus far, but we are finding that things like generational family trauma and early childhood trauma can also trigger PTSD heavily as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it says here, depression, substance abuse, dissociation, personality disorders, and health problems are all associated with PTSD as well. For many trauma victims, PTSD can be a lifelong problem. The President's New Freedom Commission report highlights the importance of providing services for mental disorders related to early trauma. However, the development of effective treatments is limited by gaps in knowledge about the underlying neurobiological mechanisms that mediate symptoms... Of trauma-related disorders like PTSD, this paper reviews preclinical and clinical studies on the effects of traumatic stress on the brain. Um, and then it says next: to understand how traumatic stress occurring at different stages of the life cycle interacts with the developing brain, it is useful to renew or review, excuse me, normal brain development. And I really wanted to highlight this part because the way that they put it was just in like such simple, easy to obtain language. And I love it. Um, the normal human brain undergoes changes in structure and function across the lifespan from early childhood to late life. Understanding these normal developmental changes is critical for determining the difference between normal development and pathology and how normal development and pathology interact. Although the bulk of the brain development occurs in utero, the brain continues to develop after birth. In the first five years of life, there is an overall expansion of brain volume related to development of both gray matter and white matter structures. However, from 7 to 17 years of age, there is a progressive increase in white matter, which is felt to be related to ongoing myelination, which is super important to brain development, and a decrease in gray matter, which is felt to be related to neuronal pruning, Um, while overall brain size stays the same. Gray matter areas that undergo the greatest increases throughout this latter developmental epoch include frontal cortex and parietal cortex, which are two areas in the brain, Basal ganglia decrease in size, while corpus callosum, hippocampus, and amygdala appear to increase in size during childhood, although there may be developmental sex laterally effects, laterality, excuse me, effects for some of these structure. Overall, brain size is 10% larger in boys than girls during childhood. So that's from 7 to 17. Then during the middle part of life, from 20 to 70, there is a gradual decrease in caudate diencephalon, and gray matter, which is most pronounced in the temporal and frontal cortex with enlargement of the ventricles and no change in white matter. Studies have not been able to document changes in hippocampal volume in normal populations during this period. After menopause in women at about the age of 50, however, there are changes in reproductive hormones, such as decreased levels of estrogen, since estrogen promotes neuronal branching in brain areas such as the hippocampus, a loss of estrogen may lead to the changes in neuronal structure. Although the effects of menopause on the brain have not been well studied, it is known that sex hormones also affect brain function and circuitry. Therefore, the changes in sex hormones with menopause will presumably affect brain function as well as possibly structure. There is some evidence in super elderly individuals ages 70 and above for modest reductions in hippocampal volume with late stages of aging. More robust findings have included increased ventricular volume and reduction in gray matter, temporal lobe, and cerebellum volumes with normal aging that begins before the age of 70. Therefore, trauma at different stages in life will presumably have different effects on brain development. The few studies that have looked at the issue do suggest that there are differences in the effects of trauma on neurobiology depending on the stage of de- development at which the trauma occurs. Studies in this area, however, have been limited. So, wow. While- that's let's. Un- that was unravel that a little bit. I was gonna say that was a lot to read, and I honestly have another one to read, but I'm gonna wait a little bit because we need to unpack this. So, um, I personally believe the reason why this has been so limited is just because PTSD, first of all, is just a newer thing that we are studying, um, and honestly, neurobiology in the in relation to emotional trauma is becoming. A newer idea, like people are just now kind of starting to figure this out. The idea of mind-body connection and trauma being stored in the body um, is a newer thing. And so it said at the end, you know studies have been limited on how brains can be affected through trauma um, throughout different stages of development, and I'm sure that happens in the body as well. And I just thought it was interesting um, because children, their amygdala is at an increased size already or that's when it's increasing the most is during childhood like it said in this article so I just wonder if you're a child living in you know a toxic or unhealthy environment like god what is that doing to your already increased amygdala or like already so rapidly developing amygdala um that was just my main thing I got from this study I was just like I wonder so that's some further research I'm probably gonna do on my own um I just thought that was very interesting and Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's number one. So that was my first article. I just wanted to highlight that to give you an idea of just very normal brain function. Um, because then I found another article that talks specifically about how um, trauma can be stored in the body, different ways that early childhood distress comes out as adult in adulthood, um, correlations of childhood stress and adverse health consequences, Um, yeah, so this next article I found, it kind of ties this first one together, if you're ready for that. Ready. All right, sit back, people. I'm going to read again, and I'm going to try my best. (laughs) So, um, the brainstem links to the brain to the rest of our body. In recent years, much of the discussion on the neurobiology of trauma has centered on the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is a big, long nerve canal that runs the length of our brainstem, Dr. Stephen Porges, I'm sorry if that's not his name, Porges, Porges, originator of the polyvagal theory and author of the polyvagal theory, Neurophysiological Foundations of Emotions, Attachment, Communication, and Self-Regulation, states that it's useful to conceptualize the vagal nerve as a pipeline that contains many other nerve fibers that connect from various areas of the brain to different functions of the body. The pipeline contains both the sympathetic nervous system activated during fight and flight responses and the parasympathetic nervous system associated with ordinary body function and being calm, cool, and collected. Most organs in the body, for example, the heart, lungs, and gut, require both the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems to work together in a balanced manner to achieve healthy functioning. Thus, much of the talk around the polyvagal theory er, (laughs) involved balance How to bring a person whose sympathetic nervous systems on overdrive back to balance. When the autonomic nervous system works too hard for too long, physical illness and other body related complications can result. If you're interested in a very readable and understandable article on the polyvagal theory, you might be interested in this interview that I'm not going to read out loud because I'm not talking about it. It'll be in the episode notes (laughs) as further evidence of trauma's toll. Let's look at a sobering list of problems that correlate with early childhood distress For example, abuse, neglect, and household dysfunction. And this is from the CDC, Center for Disease Control, in 2013. This list consists of alcoholism and alcohol abuse, which I've seen through generational trauma in families myself, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, which is a respiratory disease, depression, fetal death, health-related quality of life, illicit drug use, ischemic heart disease, Liver disease, risk for intimate partner violence, multiple sexual partners, which I thought honestly that was interesting that was on there because multiple sexual partners isn't necessarily bad. But I guess it could be bad depending on the context of it. Like if you're married in a monogamous marriage and you have multiple sexual partners and you're like...
1: Or if you're losing... Well, it can also be very painful in the sense that if you're not... Identifying with yourself sexually and you're kind of trying to find that validation through others, that can be a very painful process. That can be very painful and dangerous. People could just be giving themselves to a multitude of people without realizing what's going on in the brain when you're doing that ultimately. Yeah. And if you're not taking in an understanding of like what your value is behind that process and why you're doing
0: it, good point. Then it could leave you feeling kind of like an empty shell. And that's very painful, like for some people, I'm sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I just thought that was interesting that they. Just put multiple sexual partners, because, like, that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Not
1: not judging anyone that chooses that. But that's just what's
0: on this list, so I'm reading it. Yeah. Um, And then, as well as sexually transmitted diseases, smoking, suicide attempts, unintended pregnancies, early initiation of smoking, early initiation of sexual activity, and adolescent pregnancy. This correlation between childhood distress and adverse health consequences was established using a measure called ACE, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences. The higher the ACE score, i.e. number of adverse life experiences in childhood, the greater the likelihood that one or more of these adverse health conditions will eventually develop. Examples of adverse childhood experiences included verbal humiliation or insults, physical violence, being neglected, having an incarcerated parent, going through the divorce of a parent, growing up in an alcoholic home, and growing up with someone who attempted suicide. Talk therapy relies on our ability to evaluate things in a reasonable and rational manner. This type of therapy is generally insufficient to promote traumatic healing because unprocessed traumatic memories are stored in a region of the brain that knows no logic or time and is stored in the midbrain, which is the limbic system. And this is why survivors of trauma can have a rational understanding of what happened to them. They can understand that it was not their fault. They can understand that the past is in the past. They can know with absolute certainty that the people who hurt them in past situations cannot hurt them any longer. Nonetheless, all this knowledge and information is rather useless if the traumatic memories remain stored outside of the neocortex. You can reason with yourself all you want, but the body is still crying out for help. I deal with this personally every single day, and I just had to put that out there really fast because I go to talk therapy. I absolutely love talk therapy, but part of my talk therapy is my therapist. I have to go home, and my therapist knows that I either have to go go for a walk or go to the gym. And work out whatever I just talked about because I have the functional neurologic disorder that I've talked about also listen past. to episode
1: three move make it a movement that like was episode two. episode two just kidding episode two listen like, literally all of them. like again the whole purpose in this podcast is what is essential to your humanity like what does it mean to be a human being what do we need movement like movement is so important mm-hmm. to what you're dealing with with your trauma with your pain with your stress all of that like That's why we have to be moving every day. Human beings are meant to move. It's not, you can't just talk it out. You have to move it
0: out too. It's multifaceted and they're Mm -hmm. finding that more and more as they study mind-body connection. Um, And like it said in this article just now, you can talk about this all you want. And it is helpful to an extent. It is helpful to connect with another person. It's a recipe. It is. And yeah, exactly. It's a recipe. There's more than one thing in order for it to actually help. Um, And then they have an example that is really great um, that I just want to share really quick and then I promise I'm done. But a very brave visionary trauma survivor named Nikki Myers was willing to share some of her story with me. And this is based on the person that wrote the article. Again, it's in the episode notes. Um, Nikki Myers grew up during the 1960s amidst the social upheaval of the civil rights movement in the United States. She remembers being a nine-year-old girl watching the news and seeing people of color, people who looked just like her, being hosed, gassed, and beaten. Mm -hmm. Even though she was raised in the northern United States and never in the direct path of physical harm, those images were so disturbing, it capsized her faith in herself and her trust in authority. As Nikki explains, quote, something had to be wrong with me if these people who looked like me were being treated this way. Everything I'd learned in school taught me that government and authority was to be respected. So if government and authority was doing this to children like me, I must be flawed, end quote. Which, like, how sad that the child thought that. Mm -hmm. And just how empathetic of her at such a young age. Absolutely. Nikki is the founder of a growing program called Y12SR, the yoga of 12-step recovery. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Nikki, a recovering addict and survivor of multiple layers of trauma, launched the program about a decade ago. Y12SR meetings are not affiliated with a 12-step fellowship program group, such as Alcoholics Anonymous. Instead, the meetings combine the essence of a 12-step discussion meeting with a yoga class. This is the most genius thing I've ever freaking heard of in my life. Absolutely. Oh, my God. The guiding principle of Y12SR is that the issues live in our tissues. <laughs> New mantra. As Nikki explains. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so... I read this... Say it again. I read this when I first found it. The issues live in our tissues. The issues live in our and tissues. And I found this article a you like... A while ago and so reading back on it again as we're recording, I'm like losing my mind all over again, so I'm sorry you guys you're hearing it along with me. (laughs) As Nikki explains, when you are in the physical posture of a yoga pose or even a simple stretch and you feel those muscles quiver, your body is working something out. Trauma causes a disconnection while movement and breath work cause integration. Nikki disclosed that even to this day, when reflecting upon those memories, a strong visceral reaction is provoked. Does this sound familiar to you? If you are nodding your head, yes. There is a good chance that some remnants of trauma, abuse, neglect, or other adverse life experiences are still stuck in the parts of your brain that play out in the body. However, this does not mean that you are not without help or hope when it comes to healing the brain and ultimately the body. In the next section, we will take this discussion deeper as we explore options for healing impact of traumatic stress. And I stop there because I already gave you guys so much. But that was my second article about how to or not how to relieve trauma in the body but they just highlighted how this woman has chose to help others relieve trauma physically and just the fact that they brought light to that to begin with is such a huge deal and that's my very wordy very lengthy and psych on the power of your pain absolutely i loved that thank you thank you so much oh my god of course thank you for listening to me read dropping the knowledge ever Those are some wins. Thank right you, there. friend. Yeah, so I'm excited to Empowering move on all of us. to yours because now we're going to get really tactical about like how we move trauma out of our body yeah. and how we help, have helped our brains and bodies. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. Macy, enlighten us all. All right. Well, I'm just going to speak to pain today and I'm
1: going to make it personal um, because I feel like that's where my greatest learning has come from, from my own personal pain For sure. And so first I want to start by saying there is power in your pain. Um, Pain is an amazing teacher to you. Um, I, like many, have experienced pain in my life. Um, Every stage of my life. My first decade, my second decade, and here I am. It's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, And I just kind of want to address some things. You know, first of all, I think when we... When we look at pain as a whole, we have to bring our perspective, because there is so much power in the way you are perceiving the pain that is like current in your life, that's been in the past, Um, and it really matters your mindset wrapped around that. And for example, so I'm I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna get personal. So growing up, uh, my childhood was very very colorful, and I was surrounded by a lot of adults that suffered from an enormous immense amount of pain. And instead of having an awareness of their pain, they just kind of shoved that pain down and then as a result um, projected that pain. And that pain was heavily felt by myself and by my siblings and ultimately anyone that came in line with, with those beings that were present. And I remember as a child, you know, dealing with a lot of thoughts like, why is this happening? And how do I navigate this without being so angry? Because normally, like for me personally, um, I think by my nature, I don't know what it is about my brain, but I, I tend to be an optimistic person. And I've always kind of been that way. Like I've always kind of leaned into what can I do with this? How can I solve this problem? How can I do better? You know, and I I definitely had to navigate that growing up where – pain had been projected on me, and I was always trying to fix it. You know what I mean? Obviously, I've learned, like, that's not my job to fix everybody's pain. I
0: dealt with a huge savior complex yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. Um, Still but am.
1: nonetheless, I I recognized that my pain brought a lot of awareness to me because it was like I wasn't exactly a person going around spitting a bunch of pain because I knew how it felt. I knew that I was like, wow, this is not fun for me. I want to make sure that this does not continue with me either. Like, I don't want to make people feel this way. I don't want to... Be a person that's projecting pain onto others, um, even from a young age. And so I think it really opened up my mind at a young age with awareness of what can I learn from this pain and how can I channel it. And it really helped me to recognize that wow, there are a lot of people that are roaming around dealing with pain that's unresolved. And it's it's causing a lot of grief and strife for a lot of people. And then you know, I got older and I got married. Um, I'm no longer married but I had my own amount of pain and then I married someone who also had a lot of pain and I think when I was at the time I was very young when I got married I was 22 my partner was 20 Um, and we both kind of came from these backgrounds where we had experienced our own personal levels of pain and where I had kind of started that journey and had been very aware and was like leaning into it I was kind of in this progression like okay like I'm dealing with this I'm tolerating it and the partner that I married had really shoved his pain down and, and did not, was having a hard time processing it. And as you can imagine, that created quite an interesting marriage for both of us. Um, and I won't speak too personally to that, but in that marriage, you know, I basically got to a point where I realized okay, I'm going to put a limit on this because unless this person is willing to address their pain and kind of work through it then there's no growth from here. There's no we, we will not ever progress as a couple because this person is so stuck in the past. They're so stuck in their pain. Um, and so I guess what I've, I've been learning in my life is that leaning more into your own pain, it serves you. You have to be willing to embrace what has happened to you. You have to be willing to accept it. You have to be willing to step into it and face it head on and say, why is this happening What have I learned? What has this done to me? What is this making me feel like? How has this impacted my life? How has this impacted my emotions? How has this, you know, shifted or molded my way of thinking? You know, and then also when you do that, you start recognizing, you know, certain relationships that you had. I went from having one real, a lot of painful experiences as a child and having learned to just tolerate a lot of that, knowing that, okay, this is, really not okay. This is not good. And then I kind of at a young age thought, okay, well, I'll get married and I'll just create my own magic. I'll create my own happy life. And the problem with that was I went from tolerating one level of abuse and pain as a child to then getting into a marriage that was very, very reflective of that. And um, I don't even fault my partner necessarily. It's just that when you don't have awareness and when you're not asking yourself questions and when you're just kind of living blindly and just going day by day and avoiding your, who you actually are, then you cannot show up and be present in the moment day by day with the people that you're currently doing life with. And so I, for me, I found myself in this really tricky place of like, well, I, vow, I really value the marriage commitment and I really do believe in marriage and just kind of a, being a sacred thing in a way for me. Um, so I, I'm going to have to live in this pain with this person also while still working so- through some of my own personal pain. Um, but I'm going to have to continue to grow and like navigate this and see how this isn't all me, even though a lot of this is being projected on me. And I'm also going to have to put a marker on this. Like I can only tolerate this for so long before I'm going to have to put an end to it. And so that obviously happened and things transpired and my partner and I, we went our separate ways and I wish this person all the best. Um, but ultimately what it taught me was pain is just, it's a part of living and it is part of the human experience. It's, it's made up of, it's who you are in a way, like, you know, it's, it's something that you have to own. It's something that you have to claim and address. And if you don't, then you are literally stunting yourself and you are, preventing yourself from stepping into more joy because here's here's what I learned when I was younger I had this understanding for me at least that like if I can feel this devastated internally if I can feel this confused and this hurt or this traumatized I have to believe but there's the opposite of that. Like, I can, if I can feel this much pain, then I have to know that I can also feel this much joy. If I can feel this much suffering, then I can also feel this much comfort. If I can feel this much disgust, then I should also be able to feel this much pleasure, let's say, or, or whatever. However you want to craft that in your own mind and make it personal to you. Um, but I started really tapping into that. And from a young age, I started recognizing, like, no. I'm going to fight for my life. I am going to lean into this pain, and I'm going to figure out how to mastercraft it, if you will. And I guess that's really what I bring to you today is is this message of your pain is, is real, and it looks different for everyone, but absorbing the pain allows you to foster love and awareness.
0: Oh, my God. Say it again. When you absorb your pain... You were
1: then able to own it and claim it, and then as a result, you can foster love and awareness from that. Oh!
0: Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I just... I'm on a roll. Like, I'm on fire.
1: This is so good. Keep going. You're Keep so doing everything. Um, Amazing. Even, like, in the physical sense, right? So, like, a couple years ago, I got a little overzealous, and I thought I was a ballerina, and I was, like, doing this little leap. I was at Roseville High School. Oh, my God, this is hilarious. Um, go Tigers! <laughs> I was with one of my dear friends, Kalani, and we were just literally warming up 30 minutes in. And Miss Macy here does, like, this little dive on the hardwood floor. And I literally, like, crunch my foot. Like She was crunched. Crunched. Like, the bitch was crunched. crunched real good. <laughs> and uh, literally was like, oh, shoot. I just, yeah, I just broke my foot. And, you know, obviously my friend and I are kind of giggling and laughing. And I was in... I could have, a good fair amount of pain um, and even in that moment it was like okay I can be devastated by this now I don't get to necessarily dance for a couple weeks and oh my gosh I'm a first grade teacher so how the hell am I gonna do this with a broken foot you know I've got all these littles running around me all the time and I'm my job requires that I'm constantly moving and up on my feet and I had the potential to be like, Oh, I'm in pain and be a victim of it. And just like, Oh, this sucks. But instead I chose to lean in and I just saw it as an opportunity. Okay. What can I learn from this pain? Okay. I've got this giant ass cast on my foot. And so now I can hop. Now I can crawl. Now I can, instead of dancing on two feet, I'm going to just dance on one foot. And I got really good at that. And I learned some new things about my core strength and the right side of my body became very, very strong in new ways. Um, And it was all in my perception. It was, you know, in that moment where I could have been devastated and disappointed and a victim of my broken foot and angry with myself for the physical pain that I was experiencing that ultimately I caused with myself. I had to instead combat that with a new way of thinking. And I had to see how my pain could actually be a teacher and how my pain could actually serve me in my life and my being. And I'm really grateful I did. And like, honestly, that was a really good time in my life. Um, I was going through a lot too. I was kind of in a new time where I was recently going through the divorce process. And, you know, there's like all of these facets of pain going on. And I had a lot of time to process. And also in that time, I was really alone. Like, not alone in the sense, I mean, I definitely had people in my corner. Olivia was very present in my life. But and, and in some way, I was intentional about that. Like I knew that in order to address this new, fresh pain of getting a divorce and a broken foot, and just feeling like wow, I'm I'm very alone in this space of living, and that sort of thing, I really had to lean into myself and to like tap in. I guess is what I'm trying to say, and own it. And I'm so glad I did. I think that sometimes when we're going through something or when we're going through a painful process of life, we want to surround ourselves with noise. We want to surround ourselves with different beings and a lot of physical presence and I would argue that no, like you need to be intentional with being alone in your pain and and working through it. And some of the ways that I did that obviously were with movement. I've always been a mover and an advocate for processing what you're going through with movement. Again, for me, that is heavily done through dancing. But also verbally processing like I can't tell you how many times I've had out loud conversations with myself in my home or in my car I did it last night where I am (laughs) literally pretending to talk to someone that has caused me pain or I'm going back to a time in my childhood where I just I never got a chance to voice like hey this hurt me or I was sad by this or you know why you know asking those kinds of questions and it might seem silly because obviously talking to yourself or using your imagination to recreate an event it can almost be like that's so silly because like I'm a grown-ass person like what you know but like (laughs) honestly like no it actually serves you really well because when we share out our thoughts it allows us to hear them out loud audibly and then it actually allows us to kind of process those emotions and kind of to address them and there's something very empowering about giving that verbal energy a space to go you know like There were several, like I was saying earlier, there were several adults in my life that really took advantage of me. And just the very fact that I was a child. And, you know, when we're children, we are very, very vulnerable um, growing up in a world of adults. And if those adults are lacking awareness and as a result are very careless with the way they conduct themselves and the way they are in relation to others, it can be very harmful. And it's even more harmful when those beings are have, you know, undergone a severe amount of trauma and pain themselves because again, like I'm saying, they, they're projecting all of that on everyone around them because it's just like they have all of this pent up negative energy that they think, oh, well, I'm not addressing it, so therefore it doesn't exist. But the reality is, no, it does exist. It's in you. It's like literally wired in you. And because you haven't addressed it and owned it and claimed it for yourself and kind of fought back with it, now it's leaking and it's coming out. And, and so you know, I have had multiple conversations in my life uh, where I'm just literally talking it out with myself. And it's very, very empowering. And it's very much so a thing that um, helps you to process that pain.
0: And I actually read recently, sorry, I want to say really quick. Um, I can't remember where I found it. I'm going to have to ask my boyfriend because I told him about it. Um, I'm going to try and put it in the episode notes. But I read somewhere that there's literally a different like, neural process when you are speaking out trauma out loud versus when you're thinking about it. Because when you're audibly hearing it, You're hearing it, like the way that your brain processes hearing versus your cognitive internal thoughts is a completely different process. And so when you're talking out loud, it's going through the auditory process of how your brain processes what you're hearing, physically hearing. And so that's a different trauma process than thinking about your thoughts or writing about your thoughts. Like talking them out is literally a different way of processing in the brain. And so it's important to do all of those. Like it's important to practice different methods to really, like, process everything you can as much as you can um, and then going into focusing on the body. But anyway, go ahead. I just... No, I I mean,
1: I do think we have a voice for a reason, for a multitude of reasons, but you do have to kind of give a voice to your pain. And if you don't, you know, hopefully, if someone has hurt you or caused you pain on some level, like if it's personal on that level, then, you know, I would hope that that is a healthy enough relationship where you can speak to that. But unfortunately, the reality is, is we do have those people in our life that just don't understand they're just not there. They don't have the awareness. They're not ready to show up in that way because they can't even show up for themselves in that way. Right. Totally. And so it's like, you have to be able to then show up for yourself and then be for yourself. What you wish that person could be for you. You know, it's like we, we place all these expectations on others and I mean, it's natural. It's yeah, it is. It's very natural. But the reality is, is at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility, right? Like, I have to be the one to speak to it. I have to be the one to give that pain a voice. And if, if it's not in a safe space with that person that's maybe hurt me, then I just have to somehow figure it out. Like I still have to work through that pain. Because if my value is love, then I don't want to cause pain to other people. And because I can have empathy and I know what that feels like to be in pain or to have been through trauma, why, 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 why would I ever want to put that back out in the world? and put that on another person I don't I know what that feels like I've been there you know I've been the victim of someone's trauma I've been the victim of someone's rude tones and snarky remarks projection yeah like we we all have on some level and also I have been that person at moments you know and thankfully I think I am aware because of my painful experiences in my life that I I very quickly am someone that tries to take responsibility and say hey let me own this like I'm sorry and this is why this just happened, and I recognize that. And, and that's, there's, that's, that's a good thing. You need to be able to, if you're causing pain, like, you need to recognize that okay, you're probably feeling it. Pain is a part of who you are, but it is not all of you. And you have to be able to recognize that, like, it's okay if you've caused other people pain. But you can also fix it. Like, you can also make it better. And again, that comes through leaning into your own pain and dancing with it and wrestling with it and asking those very personal questions of self that maybe at first seem very hard and daunting. But the reality is, is what's scarier, friends? Never breaking free from it and then living with it for the rest of your life and then never being able to show up and be fully present. Like, I think of how many people are in relationships – I can think of one right now. Um, It comes to my mind. There's someone personal in my life who is just going in this little circle, song and dance with their partner that they've chosen to be romantic with. And it is so sad to me. Like, I don't think these two people have ever actually met each other because the entire relationship has consisted of them coming into the relationship with an agenda and with all of these, unbroken bonds of pain that they are still not processing or dealing with. And then they're expecting the other person to fix them and to fill those voids and to like show up for them in the ways that they want to be happy and, you know, feel away, I guess you could say. And then instead of actually like showing up for each other and seeing who they really are, they're kind of like, Oh, are you like this past person? Are you this past relationship? Because they've never actually shown up for themselves. And just own it for themselves that, like, actually, I'm going to be this for myself first. And I'm going to work through this first. And then it'll allow me to foster what I actually want with love and awareness. Yeah, bring my best self to the table. Absolutely. You know, your pain is actually a gift. It really is a teacher. You know, we look at the past. Like, even with my, my first graders, you know, we're currently on a unit right now that's called past, future, and present. Or past, present, and future, excuse me. And we've recently been talking about, you know different wars that have taken place, uh, revolutionary war, civil war, these kinds of things. And, you know, why is it that we go back and we, we look at the past and, and and there was a lot of pain in the past with American history. Right. And when we look back and we address it and we face it, it allows us to go moving forward into the future with that awareness to then not recreate that kind of pain. Um, And obviously, well, in America, there's all kinds of things that go on. But, but I guess the point is, is your pain can empower you. It doesn't have to be so scary. I mean, it's just, again, like if you can experience pain on the grandest of levels, then you can also experience the opposite. But you have to fight for that. You have to be willing to say, you know, what does this mean? Um, if I am avoiding it, Why? Like, what's the, what's the worst thing? Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? How can I lean into this and how can I actually learn from it? And how can I kind of step out of it? You know, if if it's a person that's causing you pain, well, then maybe it's as simple as you cut off that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's, you're making really bad lifestyle choices and you have really unhealthy habits, then maybe the person that's causing you the greatest pain is yourself. And maybe that's a hard pill to swallow but guess what? Take your power back and then start being who you want to be. Like start taking care of yourself and showing up for yourself in the ways that you want to so that you're not inflicting pain on yourself. And I think sometimes that's the hardest one, right? It's like when it's us, when we're the greatest source of our pain. Um, you know, what conversations do you need to have with yourself and others to address some of this pain? And what do you need to be doing on a daily basis to kind of sort through that and work through it? And another thing that I kind of want to speak to as well is because of the enormous amounts of um, experiences that have brought me pain in my life, you know, you do also have to get to a point where you realize I don't have to revisit this anymore. Like there is such a thing as revisiting your trauma over and over again, and it almost like reinduces that trauma. And so it's like work through your pain and then move on. And it can be as simple as that. Like, you don't have to keep giving yourself back to that pain. Because, unfortunately, like, if you do, then it is hurting your brain. It is hurting your body. And there's so many other things that you can be giving your mind and your energy to. Like... You're not, you're not special in the sense that you're the only one suffering. I would argue that every single human being on this planet right now in one way or another is suffering from something. And it doesn't have to be something huge. It doesn't have to be something grand. It could be something very small. And you might be like, oh, well, they don't suffer nearly as much as me. It's like, well, no, maybe not in this moment. But also, like, that's not your call. Yeah, who are you to say that? It's not about you. Like, all you literally have to worry about is yourself. You. You are responsible for your own pain. And even if it's been inflicted on you. Like, I, here's the thing. I had every reason in my life to grow up and become a monster on some level and to be mean and to excuse behavior and to act away. And I could not do that. I just
0: couldn't. What, did you want to say something really quick? I was going to say, I mean, for sure, finish your thought. I just have a personal example that I wanted to speak to. but
1: No, share your personal example, um,
0: No, I just wanted to share because I actually literally just went through this last night. Um, when you were speaking to projecting past real I'm speaking to romantic relationships specifically but this could happen with friendships family members it could happen with any relationship in your life Um, but I just wanted to speak to projecting past relationships onto your current partner and how you can be doing that day in and day out without even realizing that you're doing it just simply because you haven't processed the pain from the past relationship Um, Mm -hmm. like I spoke to before I was in a relationship up until a year and a half ago that was just not healthy not serving me Um, there was some gaslighting and manipulation involved at times. It was just, it was a huge teacher to me. And I'm so, so grateful for that relationship. Um, because it got me to go to therapy about not only that relationship, but trauma throughout my whole life. Um, but part of this has been navigating my relationship with my current boyfriend who is absolutely incredible. I love him so much. Kev, if you're listening, you're the best and I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but a lot of our relationship, honestly, like one of the biggest things we've had to navigate through our relationship is me not projecting my past shit onto him. Because I, even though I absolutely love self-development and personal growth and I'm always actively working on it, like Macy and I still fuck up all the time. And I fucked up yesterday, like throughout the entirety of our relationship, him and I have been together for almost a year now. And honestly, I was not expecting us to come together so soon after I was in this last relationship after my last relationship I really wanted to take time for myself and um not actively pursue another relationship but Kevin and I were friends for years before we ever dated like it was just, it happened all very naturally and we're very close to begin with and so it just all kind of naturally happened I wasn't expecting it and so he has really had to come with me on this journey of navigating how this past relationship has affected me. And so I just wanted to speak to you're, it's going to happen. Like you're not perfect. And through leaning into your pain, you're going to make some mistakes. And like, I have, there's definitely been times where I've kind of argued with Kevin or gotten upset with him because of me, honestly, projecting things about my past relationship onto him, or I have expectations of him from my past relationship that are not Kevin at all. But because I went through it before, like just I'm thinking of confrontation, like wanting to have an argument or talk about something with Kevin. I'm scared sometimes that like, oh my God, it's going to turn into an argument because with my last boyfriend, anytime I had to talk about something and had needs, it did turn into an argument about how I wasn't doing enough for him or I wasn't paying enough attention to him or giving him what he wanted. And my needs ultimately didn't matter for a long time. And so now that I'm with somebody where my needs do matter to them very much, and he's very, very loving and supportive, he wants to be there for me. But it's hard for me to even present what I need because I didn't know how to do that before. And so for a long time, um, I was literally projecting onto Kevin like, well, I can't talk to you about things when it's he never said that he has never once ever made me feel like I can't talk to him about things. He is the most open and honest human being besides Macy that I've ever met in my life. But because I was still so scared from something that happened in the past, I was completely affecting our relationship in a negative way. And I wasn't even meaning to. Like, I didn't even realize what I was doing until last night. I literally had had some anxiety about some stuff for a while, and I just drove around and I spoke to myself out loud. And I just literally for seriously an hour, I'm not kidding. If you saw me driving around the Roseville area, my bad. I was talking to myself and crying Um, (laughs) (laughs) because I just had to hash out everything with myself. I had to give myself the validation from childhood and from that past relationship that I needed that it's not my boyfriend's job to give me. It is not his job to be my emotional backboard and my validation for when I'm feeling shitty about myself. Like Kevin makes me feel amazing in every single way, but it is not his job to do that for me all the time. And so I had to give myself that love that night and I had to tell myself, what am I doing to make myself feel this way? Because when I look at things objectively, Kevin has never once made me feel like I can't talk to him. So what is it about me that's making me feel that way? And then I just hashed it out from there and realized it was from certain conversations with my parents that I had trouble having, certain conversations with my ex-boyfriend that I had trouble with. Just there was a whole multitude of things. And so I just want to speak to that. Like, you're going to make some mistakes. This is not a perfect way to it's not a perfect way to heal but it is the way to heal you have to lead into well, your pain you have
1: to be willing to be aware and you do I think that's the key to what you're speaking here is like you take full responsibility and you have to be able to see yourself in relation to yourself but also in relation to others and if you're not actively engaging your awareness every single morning when you wake up to start a new day then you're almost a zombie, and you're just kind of going through the motion. You're letting
0: yourself be a victim when there's no such thing as being a victim.
1: Yeah, and that actually leads me into what I'm going to say Okay, next. perfect. And Go like, for it. I'm going to – okay. Thank you for letting me share, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Um, what I'm about to say, I don't – I don't want it to come – I guess I, I say this to myself. So I will share this, but please take it with love. Um, literally, when I say I have been through – a abuse like many people have I have been through every form like literally when I say my childhood was colorful I literally mean all of the colors It's a it, rainbow It's a, a very colorful abusive rainbow and you know I I guess I I said to myself you know you are not a victim to like I was a victim in the sense of these things are happening to me as a child but I'm not a victim in the sense that like there's not there's not something I can do with this. Right. And that's why I'm saying there's power in your pain. Like your perception matters just because something is awful and traumatic and very abusive has happened to you. Yes. You're a victim of that moment. You're a victim of that experience, but you're not a victim of life. Okay. And you have to show up for yourself. You are not entitled to any life, like any type of life. Like if you're sitting here thinking, well, you just understand because I should be able to do this, this, and this. And it's like, okay, well, then go after that. Because you also have this incredible, powerful, amazing thing between your ears, and it's called your brain. (laughs) And you can educate yourself. And you have this lizard brain, or your amygdala. and Your your amygdala. Your reptilian brain. It is your fight or fight response, your flight or fight response, right? And I think sometimes when pain shows up in our life, we want to flee. We want to run away from it. We want to avoid it. We want to be a victim of it. And I want to encourage you to fight. Be a fighter that is in you. Fight for the life that you want and recognize that you are not entitled and you are not a victim. Like You have to be willing to face yourself, face your pain and step into it, lean into it, Give yourself that perspective power and say, "Okay, how can I own this? How can I claim it? How can I move forward? How can I make magic with what this has done to me and educate myself, read all the right books, listen to all the the encouraging people, talk to doctors, go to therapy, whatever it may be. you know there was a time i've I've actually created this practice in my life, but it stemmed from my pain. I was trying to look for a way to just create some space for myself, but then also like cry in a safe space but and then also kind of like be happy and I got into this habit of like I would go buy myself a coffee or a tea chai tea or vanilla latte in case you were wondering <laughs> and I would take lock myself ice. in a car and I love going for a drive like I love trees I love nature and so I will just literally get in the car and treat myself to a tear of coffee and if I've had a hard day I will put on that soundtrack and maybe the soundtrack like reflects the pain that I'm feeling. You know, there's definitely artists that can just like put words to music our feeling. Music is such a healer. It is. And, so good. and in those car sessions where I'm by myself listening to music, I'm literally crying it out. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. If I need to, I'm talking out loud. I'm processing. I'm having some of those real conversations with myself. And it's just like, it's very healing and it's a way to kind of, absorb the pain and process it and give myself to it in the moment and then you know it is it's emotional it can be very exhausting um you get it can almost feel like a hangover or something you know it what I mean? is, yeah but again I'm showing up for myself I'm not being a victim of it it's like okay this has happened and it's shitty and it sucks and it is what it is but then what do I do with it what do I do do I just let it exist in me. And then I just kind of fizzle out and just, Oh, a little bit of me's died today. And now like body hell no. so much pain. Like, hell no. Like store it. you get one life, you guys, this is it. Like as far as we know, this is all we get. Right. Um, and you have to be able to every day, wake up and say, who am I becoming? What am I creating? What do I want for myself? What do I want for the future generations that come after me? Like we have a responsibility as human beings to take on our pain and to absorb it and to learn from it because we have children that are depending on us. I can't tell you as a teacher how many parents I have encountered who were children have just happened to them. And that's kind of what happened to me as a child. And this is why this is a sensitive topic for me, honestly, but it's like, whether your children happen to you or not, and I'm not saying that to anyone on this podcast personally, but like, We have to be willing to see ourselves outside of ourselves and see that we are interconnected to the, the other people that are before us and after us and all of us. Like we're all connected and we have to do better. We have to be willing to absorb our pain and foster that love and awareness. And it's necessary for these little, these littles that are coming up after us. You know what I mean? Because otherwise we are projecting pain onto those kids. And then guess what? If they're not learning how to process their pain because ultimately they're learning from the adults in their life, we're teaching them the way in the world, then they're either going to go one of two ways. They could potentially have, at a young age, awareness like me and then try to create magic with that. Was and like, savior your, your, your
0: complex. Huh? Save your complex. Well,
1: yeah, I definitely have had to work through my savior complex in my life. But I'm saying, like, ultimately, though, like, even then, I addressed that, and I feel like I, I still struggle with that at times. But Also, I'm
0: sorry. I wasn't saying you have a savior. I was just saying in general, like, that's savior complex is, like, taking something and trying to fix everything with it because that's what you think you yeah. need to do, you know? So. Honestly,
1: though, I feel like in some ways that's a little bit easier than just, like, dying off and being like, well, I'm pissed all the yeah. time, and I want to hurt people, and I'm angry. and the it's The victim like, mentality. Yeah, and I just feel like you know, again, you, you have to show up for yourself and you are not entitled, like I said, to a life, to a life, right? It's like, we're all born into something and we all get a certain hand and it's like, how are you playing that hand? And how are you going to see that your choices aren't just for you? Your choices are for everyone in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I want to leave you with just a little bit of encouragement. Like you are love at the very fiber of who you are at the center of your existence. It's love and lean into that and let the love that you have, even if it's, you feel like it's just the tiniest amount, like let that love absorb some of that pain in the way that you choose to show up for yourself from here on out. You know, don't be someone that gets to age 55 or 65 or 70 and all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit. Like I wish I would have addressed all of this sooner. Because on the other side, it, oh my gosh, it happens constantly. And on the other side of your pain is so much love and so much joy. And it is, in a way, a very selfless act to dance with your pain because it hurts. It's pain, it, it is, it's painful, it's intimidating, it's scary, it can be a lot. But I promise you this. You know, there will be ebbs and flows and seasons of pain in your life, of trauma or whatever it may be, but that's just part of the human experience, my friends. You're not special in that. You know, everyone's, everyone's going through that. And so you have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with your pain. And that's a very achievable thing. And, um, you know, we obviously shared a couple articles. We shared some people that are in our life that are mentors and all of those good things. But... Show up for yourself in that way. You know, if you've been through certain forms of trauma, then you need to maybe start reading books about those forms of trauma and what people did to overcome those things. And then maybe you need to start doing daily things, um, daily habits, or you start fostering those habits in your life that are going to help you to add more joy back into your life. You know, for me, again, I dance every day just simply because it makes me happy. And even if I've had the most painful, shitty, traumatizing day or whatever it may be, you know, it's like, okay, well I can still love on myself in this way and I can still even though I have this pain going on, I can still experience some joy because every single day has good and every single day has bad and all of it, all of it is just learning. It's learning. And whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, it's not going to be forever. It's just a part of you. It's not all of you. You are so much more than your pain. So much more. So live in that truth.
0: I am shook shook it to the core that was so yes queen people need to hear this I'm so happy you just spoke to all of those things and yeah wow there is power in your pain that's for dang sure it's a teacher my friends
1: learn learn from your life learn from your experiences wake up open your mind expand your thinking Stop being afraid. Yeah, you don't... It's Well, it's okay to be afraid. It is, sorry. But don't get stunted in your fear. Yeah, you know, like, you dramatic. can act from two places. Act from your fear. Act from your love. Please act from your love because there's so much more for you there. There's growth there. There's happiness there. There's great joy. There's rich experiences. There's learning.
0: It know. outweighs all the fear that you feel initially. Yeah, and it's the hardest so part is it. that first step, right? But you can do it. You can do
1: it. And... Learn to be happy with you. Like, if you can show up for yourself and be content with who you are, then it makes the pain less painful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And just adaptable. Like, yeah. you can, I don't know, you're just so much more able to adapt to whatever's going on in your life when you have this lens of, like, what is my pain teaching me? hmm So, wow. If you want to be on Team Human,
1: then you have to be on Team Self and you have to work through your shit. Yeah. Bottom line yeah, you just do. That's probably and, all we're trying
0: to help you with here.
1: And you just have to see that it's not. Again, I mean, like I said, when I was young, it was like there were moments. I was like, damn, what the hell, what is going down right now? Yeah, like
0: how am I going to get past this? But I was able always to. Do. But
1: I could. I was able to see that, like, wow, I, I have such compassion for these human beings around me because it's like, what have they been through mm-hmm. <laughs> that has brought them to this place? Like, what kind of pain have you suffered? that you would treat another human being like this or that you would act this way or that you would prey upon another person like this. Like that makes me really sad. But the reality is, is people do it all the time because they're in pain themselves and they're just like careless about it. And it's like, no, we've got to do better people. We, we, we have to, and we can, and that's the coolest part. Like we have that power.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, well, all right. It's being bucket time, I think being bucket. (laughs) All right, we're going to reach into our handy dandy being bucket this segment. We choose things that either spark joy, spark entertainment, spark learning, just anything that we have consumed lately um, that we have enjoyed and just want to share. Nothing particular. We just love sharing great things with the people that we care about. So Macy, what's your rec? What's your being bucket item this week?
1: Um, so my recommendation is a book titled The Healing Self, A Revolutionary New Plan to Supercharge Your Immunity and Stay Well for Life. Oh, hail yeah. Um, written by Deepak Chopra and Rudolph E. Tanzi. Um, it's a New York Times bestseller. And anyways, I just wanted to recommend this book because there's a lot of facets to this book. It talks about the mind-body connection. Um, It talks about physical physical pain, emotional pain, these kinds of things. And I just think it's a really good rec. I think it's supercharged with information. It's a great book to nerd out on. Um, It's very applicable to self because it's talking about human beings in general. And uh, I just, I highly recommend it. I think it kind of speaks to some of what we're talking about and discussing here today. But also just like awareness of body and mind and being healthy overall in every, in every area.
0: So the healing self, I recommend it. You can buy it on Amazon or in any Heck bookstore. Probably. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but you've said amazing things and oh I hope they have it on audible because I've been really into audiobooks again lately and sorry, Basil is crawling all over our paper. Um, <laughs> she's just like really enjoying our space at the moment. Um, but I love audiobooks so I'm hoping it's on audible. If not, I will have to just borrow it from you and yeah. Cool. Go for it. but
1: I like, I like having my books in those hard copies, you know?
0: I know. You're a hard copy gal. I, I am know. if I annotate. Like, I got high performance habits in hard copy, I but for love, the most I, uh, part.
1: I just, I'm, well, when I'm greedy with my books, like, I, I just have this vision of, like, this giant ass library. One I thing. hope you have a library in your house. Like, Beauty and the Beast status, you I know? Like, it. you know when he takes her in, and he's like, I have a gift for you. and oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have a gift like, for you. Like, <laughs> makes my heart feel like, yes! Oh, my God, yes, I Yes, You know what's up? <laughs> anyways, yes, but yeah, beast. I do like to take notes and highlight, and anyways. Hell yeah. But Audible is fantastic, too. And actually, I do think it is on Audible.
0: The healing self. Okay. Sounds good. Check it out. Well, I have two recs this week, and I'm actually really glad you spoke to um, optimizing your body and your immunity because I am... One of my recs, my first one, is Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method. (laughs) And yeah, no, but like for real, it's a breathing method ultimately. And I don't know if you have heard of Wim Hof. Um... If you watch The Goop Lab on Netflix, the second episode... episode—it's it. First of all, it's so freaking good. But the second episode specifically, 10, <laughs> it's... Yeah, just warning you. Um, Second episode specifically is about this man named Wim Hof, who is the Iceman. He's known as the Iceman. And he is a man that literally there have been studies done on him that he can control his immune system and his immunity... Just from his breath and his, like, self-discipline. And the way that he channels this self-discipline is through plunging himself into freezing bodies of cold water for prolonged amounts of time, swimming in freezing water, and just controlling the entire experience through his breath and his mind. If you're and a parent listening to this and you have a little student that has come home and said, oh, Miss Barber
1: takes a cold shower for 30 seconds in the morning. That's where I it's got It's Wim Hof. It's because Wim Hof. Yeah, anyways. And it's a
0: whole system. It's a whole method. He has it on, you can find it on YouTube, but it starts as the first day you do his method of breathing exercises, which we can imitate right now. You breathe fully in and it's three facets to breathing. It's your belly, your lungs, and your head because you can actually, according to Wim Hof breathe in so deeply that you get oxygen from all of these areas going straight to your brain so let's do it breathe fully in like all the way in all the way through your belly to where you feel like your belly literally expanding so and suck it in through your mouth and then you let it out but you don't let it all the way out you like just go until your body your stomach kind of deflates that so you breathe fully in again suck it as much as you can breathe out <laughs> and you do that thirty times. You start to feel away too. I'm and you do. Him. And you do it literally, like you're. I'll do it like three times in a row, so you can hear it. You go. <sighs> 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 so it sounds like that, and you do it thirty times, and then, and you're literally going to feel like you're going unconscious. Your hands will start to It rain. is supposed to. Wim Hof's whole thing is it promotes a panic response from your body because you're telling yourself to breathe in ways that you're almost. It's almost like hyperventilating but deeply enough to where you're not going to pass out because you're breathing fully but you're breathing in a way that your body is like why are we breathing at this rate I'm just laying down and like you do your hands and feet start if you've ever had like a full blown panic attack where your whole body starts tingling and your ribs like are almost like they feel like jolty like I don't know you'll understand when you do three rounds of this breathing because you do it three times and you do it 30 times three times and then so you do that the first day Then the second day you do those three rounds of breathing and then you take a cold shower for like 30 to 45 seconds and you just slowly increase yourself because you want to get yourself acclimated to the cold. And the whole point of the cold is when your body is in extreme temperatures, it promotes panic in the brain. And so his whole thing is if you can control your mind in these extreme conditions, you can pretty much do anything. And he has proven that time and time again where he literally was injected with in some sort of sickness or infection. I can't remember what strain of, like, the flu or something that he was injected into himself by a doctor. And he did it with a study of, like, 20 or so other people. And there were people that did the Wim Hof method, and those people did not get sick. And every single person that didn't do the Wim Hof method after being injected showed symptoms and got sick and within just, a few days. It, just
1: gives the, it really is a testament to the, the power of the mind-body connection. And when you connect those two worlds and the power of your breath, obviously your breath is your body, right? Your breath is in your body. Your mind is in your head. Um, and it is, it, there is so much power in your mind. There's so much power in your breath. Um, and I, yeah, that study was unbelievable.
0: And so after a cup, one to three days of doing a cold shower then you are supposed to completely plunge yourself in some body of cold water like very very cold water Uh, for example I have a pool in my backyard it's freaking March now which is warm but not as warm as it should be for me to like enjoy swimming and so I've been doing Wim Hof for a couple days now and I'm gonna freaking plunge in my pool this week and I'm gonna do it and I am so excited because when they talked about this on the Goop Lab, the editor of Goop, she did this, they did like a retreat with Wim Hof. They took the Goop staff and they did a whole retreat with him in Tahoe. And they were in the snow, like doing yoga in the snow to help them get ready for the cold. They were doing cold showers. And then finally they plunged into Lake Tahoe on the last day. And the editor of Goop Lab, she had a full bone panic disorder before this. Like she was heavily medicated for anxiety Um, She would have panic attacks often and very severely. And it was like taking huge tolls on her life. And she was saying how in the Wim Hof breathing technique on the first day, she literally like her body went into panic mode, but because she was intentionally breathing like that, she was able, even though her body was having the full on somatic response of panic in her mind, she was so calm. And she was like, that was the first time I had ever felt that physically and not completely mentally freaked the F out. And she said she did the whole Wim Hof retreat with them and she does the breathing every single morning, which I'm going to start doing because he recommends you do it in the morning before you eat breakfast. Like first thing when you wake up and she does it every single morning. And then she's a 30 second cold shower and she has not had one panic attack since for somebody with a full blown panic disorder. Like that just amazed me. And for somebody, if you aren't really big on like medication for your anxiety and personally I'm not just because I have, I've spoke to this before substance abuse issues with family history and, I just don't want to go down that route if I really don't have to. I'm not saying medication's bad, but it's just not for me. So any method like this, I get super, super into um, because it's just another like somatic healing way of helping with anxiety. And so I really wanted to highlight that because one, he talks a lot about power of pain. Like you're literally intentionally putting yourself in a panicked situation, but you're able to control with your mind like how it's all going and so i just he's incredible to me and that's my being bucket item and please watch his youtube videos try his breathing exercises just once and tell us what you think like fantastic i really want to hear fantastic what breath. people think because it's like nothing i've ever done before i did it this morning in my bed and i was just like oh my god but you feel so good after you feel amazing so that's my being bucket i just had one like Love you it. perfect so other than that that's that is the power in your pain people we yes. hope that you leave This today, feeling inspired in some way to lean into your pain and the discomfort of it and come to us if you have questions because we are actively doing this every day. The pain never stops. Life never stops. And so having the tools you need to be able to adapt and, you know, help your pain and help yourself through your pain because it's your job. Like you are responsible for that. Yeah, and it's just
1: pain is a part of who you are or it's part of being human, but it's not all that you are. No, there are so many other facets to your humanity. So choose to give more of your time and energy to all of those other things. But you can only do that if you embrace all that you are, your whole being. And in order to do that, you have to also embrace your pain.
0: Yeah, choose your narrative. And if you don't like the narrative you're currently in, then reframe that narrative and go from there. We, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for being on this journey with us. We really, really do. And if you loved this episode, like we hope you do, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us comments on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Leave us comments on Instagram. We just love to hear from you. And I'm really excited to hear the feedback from this episode because quite frankly, this isn't talked about often in the podcast space, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I really want to encourage connection with this episode. I really want to hear how people... Um, adopt all that we've just, if expressed. I can say like, one last
1: thing, I did share kind of a, a lot of personal things just as far as like, I was sharing my colorful childhood and things. And I want to say that in addressing my pain and facing it, it allowed me to become healthier and to really own who I want to become and who I'm trying to become as I continue. Cause like, I don't think we've ever completely arrived. Like we are always a work in progress but also from that, those some of those relationships that caused me so much pain as a child um, today stand much stronger and much healthier. Because, That's a really good point. You know I mean, like, I hope everyone knows that, like, not there all toxic be, relationships ended being cut off. Yeah, like, there was a lot of healing that came from that. And also, me being willing to face it and address it myself and not really be a victim of it, it kind of brought light to some of those people. I'm like, oh, shit, like, I didn't even realize. And so... I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the way pain can be not just a teacher to myself, but a teacher to so many others when love is invested. You know, if your heart is reconciliation and peace and to learn and to grow, I really believe good always comes from that. And not everyone will respond well, right? No. Like if someone it's has inevitable. Pain,
0: But the ones that do, it makes it all worth it. Yep. So. well, we love you. We hope that you were inspired and encouraged and are excited about where to go from here. Um, And yeah, we will see you next time. And just thank you so much for being here and listening. And we'd love to hear from you. So have a great rest of your day. Peace. Bye. Bye.